Hey, it's me, your boy. Um, welcome to Raffi Rambles, um, the occasional one-and-done kind of podcast where I sit down and just kind of talk about things that I have some opinions about. I have some strong opinions, I gotta tell you. Um, I do apologize for not doing this show more often. Uh, there are news and events that, you know, I do have strong opinions about, uh, it really is just a life thing. I, you know, I wish as soon as something happens I had the time to make a little snippet about it. But that's that's what I'm doing here. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, a couple of updates that are going on with me and going on with the Panel Biter. And, uh, you know, just kind of reach out and have a more personal interaction. Um, so, at the time of recording this, uh, you know, we're, we're in late November... And December's coming up, uh, which means Christmas is coming up. We we put the Christmas tree up October 31st. Uh, Macy loves Christmas, so the house is all decked out. We're starting to do our, our holiday shopping. Uh, we definitely have to keep a, like a, a rubber band on our arms uh, to prevent us from paying too much money for Christmas gifts. Um... But yeah, we, we've been preparing for Christmas here. Um, we just had our apartment uh, pest checked because I guess another apartment in this complex that we live in had bed bugs. Uh, we are clean. There's no indication that we had bed bugs. Uh, of course, if you've lived in an apartment or you've had your house pest controlled before, um, you'll know that in order for them to, you know, kind of search the house or fumigate it or whatever. Um, a lot of stuff has to be moved around. Everything that had something plugged into it, we had to unplug, so every outlet was free. Um, we had to move everything away from the, the heaters, like the baseboards. Essentially, we had to just flip our house, or sorry, flip our apartment upside down, um, to accommodate this. Otherwise, we would have been fined, which, thank goodness, we didn't make any mistakes, and they had no excuse to fine us. Um, which, you know, isn't... Too much of a big deal. Um, it, it, it's just that, like, having to plug everything back in was a pain in the ass. Um, it also happened that, that this pest control stuff happened the day after... Um, oh, no. No, it wasn't the day after. Well, you know, we, we have a cat now, um, which I think you guys have probably picked up from other podcasts. Um, our cat, Lily, is uh, laying here right next to me. She had to go stay with Macy's parents um, for the day of the fumigation or whatever. It was just a pain in the ass because, you know, we just got her tooth fixed and we don't want to have to traumatize her more. Um, and then one of Macy's co-workers got, uh, a family member was injured and so they had to step out of work for a few weeks for Macy's been working overtime. So basically the consensus in, in the Ayala household is that... Uh, Macy and I are just really tired and really stressed out because of the holidays, um, which, you know, sucks, but it's only once a year, and you gotta look on the bright side for certain things. Um, other stuff that's been happening with me, I started doing stand-up at this, uh, this comedy club called Cheddar and Rye, which is here in Manchester, off of Elm Street, and I think Hanover Street? Um, but they do comedy nights every Tuesday, so I've been doing that for a couple of weeks now. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, I don't really post my stand-up stuff on the Panel Biter officially. Um, but, I don't know, like that, that's just something I want, I want to throw out there. Um, it's pretty good. You can get stress off my back. Um, the Digimon Tabletop is still going strong. We're doing it, uh, every Monday. Uh, we skipped last Monday because of the, the pest control stuff. But, uh, went pretty good. We just finished recording our second podcast special for Digimon Roll, so you can expect that in a couple weeks. Um, and I say a couple weeks because I'm having trouble editing it. Um, we're gonna do a Christmas episode of the, the Tabletop, which is gonna be fun, and that'll come out probably late December. Um, and that's, that's if I can get all this editing stuff fixed, uh, fixed up and, you know, quit having trouble with it. But, yeah, I got that going on. What else? What other updates do I have? Oh, so last December, I did a series of podcasts called DC December. Uh, 
uh, which were like six episodes. Uh, every episode was me and a different guest or guests. Uh, basically just watching a DC animated movie and then talking about it. Now, last year I wasn't super happy with the way it turned out, mainly because of um, how I chose to do it. So, you know, for most for most of the, uh, the, the commentary content that I do, um, me and my guest will talk over the entire film. DC Summer, I, I wanted to do it kind of different. Um, we would do the intro, we would record the intro to it, we would watch the animated movie, but that would be off recording. And then we'd start recording after the movie to talk about it and give our kind of review on it. So it was more it was more uh, animated movie reviews than it was commentaries. Which, you know... Ugh. They're two very different formats for, for podcasts. Um, so I think this year I'm just going to do the commentary, the commentary version. Um, cause I want to, I want to get more, I want you guys to get more like, uh, bang for your non-existent buck. You know, it, they are easier to listen to when they're like five minutes long and about one movie. Um, I just feel like it's more fun to listen to, to get our reactions on the spot. Uh, especially if you have something like the DC app or you have these animated movies already, you know, in your home collection. Um, they're just better to listen to with that. So I don't want to take that away from anybody. Um, also, I just like talking over movies, and so having having it be recorded um, gives me an excuse to talk over the movies. But yeah, um, I'm gonna do I'm gonna be doing those. Uh, they'll be a little bit different this year. Uh, four podcasts, uh, each podcast with an individual guest. Um, you could probably guess who they're gonna be based on who I podcast with anyway. Um, we are sticking to DC stuff, but we're going for a bit of a theme, um, which again, it's going to be easy to pick up as soon as you uh, see stuff on Facebook or hear me talk about it later. But yeah, so for every week of December, uh, there'll be a, a commentary uh, track that you can listen to on a, on a DC animated movie. So I think I think that's about it. Um, we probably have a, a comic buffet this week. Uh, again, now it kind of depends on when David can get me a comic to read, so it's, a lot of it is kind of timing. Um, there are a couple of panel pitches I want to get around to in the near future. I don't plan on doing another, um, super panel pitch for at least another two or three months. Um, essentially if you missed that, it was a series of panel pitches where I pitch a comic book movie. Um, there's a series of panel pitches I did with Bennett, my brother, um, where I where I basically laid out what my idea for a DC cinematic universe would be. Um, those are a lot of fun. If you have time, go check them out. Um, I'll probably do some kind of recap podcast when we get around to like phase two. Um, and even then, I haven't fully planned out uh, the order and how phase two is going to work. So just stay tuned for that. And. Uh, Let's see. So, uh, there, there are some actual subjects I want to talk about uh, for this little podcast here. I've been playing Pokemon Sword and Shield, or I guess Pokemon Sword in my case. Um, so maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. There's the most recent Sonic trailer and uh, the redesign and kind of the reactions to it, uh, which I'd like to talk about that as well. And then the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the effects of Copa, which is... Uh, Basically this, uh, I forget if it's a law or just an act, but it's this initiative being launched by the FC, yeah, the FCT, FTC, FCC, um, it's being launched by the government, which is going to have kind of major effects on YouTube content, so I want to talk about, a little bit about that and how, um, how I feel about it, kind of my reaction to it, you know, not being a big YouTube guy, but still being a big supporter of, of creators on YouTube. So those are some of the topics we're going to be going through today. So I haven't finished Pokemon Sword yet. Um, I think I'm about halfway through um, the, the, the story, like the, you know, the 
pre-post game, whatever. Um, my next challenge is against the dragon type gym leader. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> Pokemon Sword is fun. I enjoy it a lot. Um, I've been playing Pokemon games since Crystal. Um, huge fan of the, the video games, big fan of the cartoon, and, you know, I... Detective Pikachu was, like, one of my favorite movies of, of the year. Uh, you know, I support everything Pokemon because, you know, it's my bread and butter. You know, a lot of people grow up with kind of, like, their nostalgia and associate it to their personality. And, and that, I'm, like, that way with Pokemon. Um, and I will say, for as big of a fan of Pokemon as I am, I think I have a more divisive stance on modern Pokemon and what people think are is good and bad. Um, like, a lot of people, and that, again, it's I don't want a blanket term because I don't like that, but a lot of the complaints for Pokemon I see nowadays are in terms of design, which, what the fuck ever, Geodude is a rock with arms and eyes. Like, they've never, you know, the Pokemon art style and creation of individual creatures, it's never been one-to-one. -one. It's never been perfect. You know, Sight Voltorb, Sight uh, Magnemite, which is just a bunch of metal. Um, <laughs> Sight Ditto, which is literally just a pink Grimer. Like, <laughs> Sight Grimer and Muck. Like, the point is that, like, what even is coughing other than a tumor, okay? So, <laughs> the point is when you when you look at old designs and you really start to think about it, the Snow Cone and the, and the um, Cotton Candy Pokemon, they don't seem that big of a deal. I don't have a problem with... Pokemon designs, for the most part. Um, my issue has always just been with the kind of will they, won't they's of the of the mainstream Pokemon games. Um, I, I find myself more pissed off of the stuff that they don't bring back or stuff that they choose to do because they think it's right. Obviously, Pokemon Sword and Shield has been, I want to say, like the most controversial Pokemon game ever. <laughs> And uh, not even because it's, like, lewd or too mature. It, it's literally controversial because of the choice to cut out the entire national tax. Um, and again, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that. That's definitely the most noticeable, noticeable part of Pokemon Sword. Um, is, you know, trying to figure out who's in the game and who isn't. And knowing that there are Pokemon you're never going to get in Pokemon Sword... Also, knowing that there are Pokemon you'll never get in Pokemon Sword naturally unless you have the Pokemon Home app, which is, you know, the Apple Cloud for Pokemon, and uh, just stuff that just doesn't make sense to me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, all that being said, though, the whole National Dex thing, I really feel like they tried to balance it out because... The idea of the wild area is really cool. Just kind of a, a snippet of what Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee did. Um, the weather system is back. I think the day-night cycle is back. Um, in fact, even on like regular routes, you can see Pokemon in the overworld. So it's not entirely a, a Let's Go... Or I guess it's not entirely a wild area exclusive thing. Um, wild area gives you the, the 3D camera, which I think is really cool. Um... It's a lot easier to get around now. Like, they took out HMs, like, which is awesome. Uh, I've always hated the HMs. Um, I think they kind of cut down the middle when it came to TMs, which is it's fine. It gives you an incentive for doing raid battles. Um, but my point is that I feel as though they put in enough new, extra, cool, returning stuff that it kind of makes up for not having the national decks. I don't know. I, I think I'm more scared than than pissed off because what I'm worried they're going to do, and I only think this way because, you know, this is a video game, we're talking about modern video games now, I'm worried they're going to do some kind of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to update the national decks uh, for a DLC price. Like, you pay $12 and we'll add 50 Pokemon from these generations or you know if you pay five bucks we'll add in the legendaries of generation four like i'm worried they're going to uh is it micro not micromanage micro microtransaction 
I'm worried they're gonna microtransaction uh, and just expand the DLC. Like they're going to put a price tag on the actual national decks because the technology is definitely there. I don't. I'm not a programmer in any way, but ever since Pokemon X and Y, it's clear they've had kind of a stored databank of Pokemon models. And again, that's another thing that has been kind of controversial is, you know, when Game Freak said they had to remake a bunch of Pokemon models, is that true? Because cause if that's the case, they've recreated, like, hundreds and hundreds of Pokemon 3D models to exactly what they were before. You know, it's like, it's more believable that they chose not to put in certain Pokemon than it is to believe that they could match pixel, or I guess polygon perfect, um, older designs. And I guess they cut, they said they cut out the national decks in order to improve on everything else, like battle animations and stuff. And again, that's, it's a little bit give and take, you know? Um, I guess the, the thing I'm getting to is like, whether or not they lied or they didn't about, you know, not having the power or the time or the, um, what's the word, um, like, the, the hours and the effort, like, not having the available resources to them to churn out every Pokemon, um, whether or not that's true, because, because there's two, there's two scenarios with this, either they're lying, they can totally, they didn't have trouble with the 3D models, it's completely a matter of clicking and sending, like, rendered 3D models from one game system to another or whatever, right, or, uh, they didn't lie. They really had trouble with the 3D models, and they had to put in that much time and effort into recreating old ones. Um, either way, I don't, I don't think the National Dex is going to stay the way it is. I think they are going to add Pokemon down the line. Uh, they might just do the Smash Brothers thing, where they'll get, you'll get, like, seasons of, like, oh, Season Pack 1 comes with, like, 100 new Pokemon, or at least 100 returning Pokemon, you know? Um... And, it, you know, I, and I can see them do that because, again, it's a modern video game. Uh, there's also the very possible possibility of the third game, or if they do the Sword 2, <laughs> Shield 2. I don't know, because with Sun and Moon, they did, like, sequels to both of them. But it's the possibility of the third and or third and fourth uh, version of this Pokemon game. It's very possible those games could have added Pokemon into them, you know, like, for example, Pokemon Gun comes out, and now it has an extra 200 Pokemon from across these different generations, or Pokemon Sword Gun and Shield Gun have 200 to 300 more Pokemon in them, and that, that's, that's what worries me, because I'm gonna buy the third version, probably, um, and I, I don't know, I probably won't give into the DLC, I don't think there are any individual Pokemon um, where I would gladly pay, like, ten bucks to have them added to the game, um, especially because I'm not into competitive Pokemon, but I know that there are people that are into competitive Pokemon, and so you're gonna kind of draw this class system, and I don't, I don't want to come out here and say people are too poor to pay for Pokemon, but, like, it's possible, you know? You're gonna have people that want to have these Pokemon in their game and just can't afford it or, you know, can't find the reason to put money towards it. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's modern video gaming, uh, you know, I, I'm wasting my time kind of complaining about it, because it's just a system that's not going to change, um, you know, if Smash is doing it, Street Fighter does it, uh, I think, like, Fortnite does it and stuff, so, I guess I'm, I guess the part that bothers me, though, is that I never, for some reason, I never imagined it touching Pokemon, which, I guess, has been my mistake this whole time, but, other than the whole National Dex thing, I'm having a lot of fun with Pokemon Sword, and uh, I hope I can finish it soon, because, like, I stopped playing Digimon Cyber Sleuth so that I could play uh, Pokemon Sword, and, uh, again, so far I'm having fun with it, so, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if any of that changes by the time I finish it. Alright, so there's a new Sonic trailer that came out that features a redesigned movie version of Sonic. 
It also features, you know, some new scenes. Uh, we get a bit more of Sonic's dialogue and personality. Or, excuse me. Um, but yeah, that came out. And fan response has been, like, crazy because... Because I, I, I wanted to talk about this because I talked about the first trailer, I think in, like, the second episode of Raffi Rambles. And it was just so bad. And I, I hated it. And I, I, didn't, I didn't like it at all. Um, I am a closeted Sonic fan, so, like, it really bothered me that the design was that different, and, you know, different's not bad, but, like, there's just so many aspects of Sonic, and just in design form, that are appealing to people that weren't featured in the old design. You know, Sonic either looks really cool or really cute, depending on which art style or which like, era we're looking at, um, and the film Sonic, he didn't look cool, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't look imposing, or, like, like, he had an attitude about him, um, because that's the thing, right, if you look at classic Sonic, you can tell he's got some attitude, you can tell that he's kind of pudgy, uh, you can tell he's, like, a, a rodent, or, like, um, soft, I guess, like, because cause Classic Sonic is cute, but he's, he's cute in, like, a cartoony Mickey Mouse way, right? And then modern Sonic, you know, from Sonic Adventure and then onward, um, again, has a lot of attitude to his design, looks very confident, looks really cool, and, you know, looks like an action-taking character. And then you look at the original film design for Sonic, and he looks anemic, he looks uh, sketchy, like, because of his somewhat human, uh, kind of body proportions, he just, he just doesn't look like a character I want to invest in. He doesn't look like a character that interests me. Um, you know, he, he looks like the fucking, what's his name? The, the guy from, uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the precious guy. Uh, I don't remember that character's name. But he looks like that, he looks like Dobby, he just doesn't look like a visually appealing character. Now, the redesign, I am a huge fan of, and I'm a huge fan of it because A, it fulfills a lot of the Sonic design quirks that make him a visually interesting character. Um, you know, I, when I look at the new Sonic film design, I can tell, okay, this guy is snarky, this guy is like active and expressive, um, he's like, he's like scrappy in a way, because of his, you know, he's short, but he also looks kind of tough when he, when he gets all frowny, um, but you can invoke some, um, some emotion just by looking at the image of this character. That excited me, because again, it's keeping in Sonic with his design telling you the story of the character, um, but the other reason I like it is because it still has kind of its own spin on it. And, yeah, yeah, spin, that was a that was an intentional pun. Um, his, his body, like his torso, is wider towards the top. Which kind of gives him a more masculine, uh, like, figure or build or, or send-off. But I think it also helps balance his body. Because we can't just do the thing we used to do with Sonic, where it's a circle with tube limbs and then big-ass, like, hands and feet. Like, his his hands and his feet are proportioned correctly to fit his body. Um, it almost looks like he could wear human gloves and human shoes, but his feet aren't built the same way that ours are. Like, we can kind of tell that by his design. His limbs aren't stringy. His body isn't super round or super lean. It's kind of right there in the middle, perfectly. Um, the eyes are a big deal because they made them bigger. They didn't connect them, which I think is, is good on their part. Um, because I always, I never liked how the Sonic eye was just one big eye. Um, but they, they made it from like a distance you could tell, you couldn't tell if it was one eye or not. But point is that his eyes are big without being an oblong and creating like a, a problem there. Uh, his eyes are big, they're expressive, he has, like, brows, so he can actually, like, furrow his brow, he can cock an eyebrow, which is very sonic of him. Um, the fur patches on him are, you know, tan, and, uh, 
His arms are still blue, which... Yeah, I, I guess it would look kind of weird if they were tan like the rest of his skin parts. Um, his, like, mouth fur is short enough that it resembles Sonic's kind of smooth muzzle face. Um, kind of jaw from the nose down. But it's short fur, which keeps in line with the furriness of Sonic in this movie. Um, there's just so many things about this Sonic design that work from a film perspective, they work from a adaptation perspective, and they also work to make it distinct enough. Um, from what I understand, this new Sonic design was helped and created by, um, oh my god, what's his name? Tyson, Tyson Hesse? Um, he's an artist who worked on Sonic Mega Drive, which is probably my favorite Sonic comic ever. Um, he did the art for Sonic Mania, so he's, he's kind of the big dog in terms of animation when it comes to Sonic now. They have those Sonic Mania animated shorts on YouTube, which are freaking awesome. I love those. Um, but he's a great artist. He's done wonders for how Sonic looks. I love his art on Sonic. And he helped, I guess, uh, redesign Sonic for this movie. And he also drew out like a, his art interpretation of movie Sonic and you know, it's not 3D, it's not live action, so this is just a, a drawing of Movie Sonic. And again, you can tell there are some distinct features between this and other 2D drawings of, of classic and modern Sonic. So, you know, and the rest of the trailer is good too. <laughs> um, there's a lot of funny bits with Sonic. Sonic acts the way you think he would if he were trapped in our world. Um, he's trying to keep his head low and not get too much attention. But at the same time, he can't help himself but to run around and, you know, play sports against himself and talk to himself and read Flash comics, because um, he's just a hyperactive character. Um, and again, I think that's kind of a good way of establishing what kind of character Sonic's going to be, um, because he takes his situation seriously enough to know he can't be seen by the government, but... He also doesn't want to bore himself. He knows he has to get out and do things. So, again, you get a, a great fix for Sonic as a character in this trailer. Um, Jim Carrey continues to be Jim Carrey. Uh, there's that whole thing with the ring and the warp zone, which is really cool. Uh, James Marston is there. <laughs> uh, James Marsting it up. James Marstoning it up is what I was trying to say. Um... Now, the other thing with the Sonic redesign that I want to talk about a little bit is there's a... Most people have been supportive of it because obviously people uh, kind of complained and voiced their... 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 Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Voice their issues with the old Sonic design like to the director and to the studio and stuff. And so... In response, the movie got pushed back, and the people working on the Sonic movie had to redesign Sonic. And I'm going to ignore the theory that the original Sonic design was made awful on purpose, even though it's possible. I heard that the redesign didn't cost as much as people expected it to. Um, that being said, I'm going to ignore that theory because, sure, the movie could do that. It also couldn't. It doesn't matter either way because I like the design. And I don't, you know, I wasn't so riled up that, like, they did it to get more attention. Either way, I was going to see this movie. So, like, <laughs> whatever. But now I won't be seeing it ironically. But, like, I've heard some complaints be that, like, people bitched and moaned and cyberbullied and, you know, really just kind of harass the director to make this change. And... I don't see it that way. Of course I don't see it that way, because I like the design, and I can only have one opinion about things. No. The reason this isn't cyberbullying is because we're paying for the movie, if that makes sense. Maybe not all of us. Maybe some of us are complaining and, and, and not planning on seeing it either way. But I guess I'm more going with the idea of, like, if I go to a restaurant 
and I order a steak, and they bring it out, and it's not the way I want it done, and I don't want to eat it, and I complain to the chef, and I, I, I'm still hungry, so I want a meal. So they go back, and they take the steak back, and they bring out a new steak, and it's better, and I like it, and I pay for it, and I'm done. I can walk out and be happy that something I wanted that was made not the way I wanted it to be came out better. Like, because here's the thing, right? Maybe that's not the best comparison, but, like, criticism is, it's half, it's half the experience. You know, it's half the motivator. I don't think myself or anyone successful that I admire or look up to would be where they are without criticism, right? The director and the writers and the actors and the studio, like, everyone is paid and put together to make a movie. To make a product that will be bought by us, the consumers. And, you know, if the, if the director really... Because the, the other complaint I hear... I'm sorry to jump points a little bit here, but... The, the other part of this that I hear is like... Well, isn't it irresponsible for the consumers or the fans or whoever... To attack this movie... Because the director had a vision. I don't think that's how, how this is working. Right? Like, Brian Singer had a vision. Um, uh, who else had a vision? Um, the guy that directed Fan Stick had a vision before it got shot. Like, you can tell when a director has a vision because nothing will, will drive them off of that vision. Because the kind of directors that have visions and... To, to, you know, broaden a term that most people might understand. When I say a director with a vision, I mean a director that has a specific way they want to make something and they are determined to make it the way they want, even if it goes against what other people say or it goes against um, what's expected of them, right? If the director of the Sonic movie was a director that had a strong vision for how he wanted to portray Sonic, Sonic wouldn't have been changed, you know, like, we aren't hurting this man's creativity, you know, because if he had such a strong opinion about how Sonic should look, he wouldn't have changed it. And if he had such a strong opinion that his film would be good the way he was doing it, he wouldn't listen to fans at all. Because, you know, we're not asking for James Morrison to be recast, we're not asking for Eggman, or I guess Dr. Robotnik, to be bald, all we are asking is that the main character, the center character of this film, that is directly based off of a long-running video game franchise, all we are asking is for it to look more like that video game. You know, and again, I don't want to discredit the people that actually have to go and redesign Sonic with, you know, CG animation and... and artists or whatever like whatever people go into recreating a cgi figure i'm not saying that that's not hard work for them but what i am saying is that it, it is both a it is both a singular issue with the movie and at the same time the most important part of the movie because it's and, and again the movie isn't out yet we have no other trailers to infer this but it looks like Sonic, for the most part, is going to be the only CG character in this movie, other than, like, the drones and stuff. But the point is that he's the only Sonic character in the movie, for the most part. You know, Tails could show up at the end. We don't know. And, you know, for that kind of main thing to be not properly portrayed, or it's portrayed in a way that people don't like, you know, it, it's kind of important that people like the way Sonic looks in this movie. Because we're not seeing it for James Marston. I'm going to assume... There are probably people that are seeing it for Jim Carrey. But, like, it's a Sonic movie. You know? And, again, just breaking this down to its, its most kind of ethereal, basic ingredients. A lot of filmmakers that actually care about what they're doing and want to make a good movie, they they aren't concerned with, like, 
their main concern is making the best movie they can make, right? We have to believe, and I want to believe, that every filmmaker that cares about what they're doing wants to make the best movie that they can make, right? So, instead of... Instead of, like, sympathizing or taking pity on the director or the people that have to redesign Sonic, instead of taking pity on these people, I think we should be proud of them that, yes, they took cyberbullying and criticism or whatever, but they also just took fan response and changed something about their movie that would make fans happier, right? Because with, with film, it's different because a lot of films don't just do that outright. A lot of films don't adjust to cater to the audience. A lot of good films don't have to. But in terms of this Sonic movie based off a of video game, and taking into account how our expectations have been raised after something like Detective Pikachu, which, you know, nearly every Pokemon in that movie looked really good, and no one had to complain about it. And the people that did, you know, there wasn't enough of them to warrant a change. But, you know, given our response to Detective Pikachu, and given the fact that these directors and uh, creators of this Sonic movie have responded to criticism. I think all you can do is... is is be proud and, and... I don't know. I'm hopeful that more directors kind of take this reaction. You know? I, I don't think... And again, it's different for directors that have a strong vision and won't change the things they do. But I think it's... It's it, it not expected, but... It isn't a bad thing for someone to come in and tell you that your thing is nice, but it could be better. And it's not a bad thing for you want for you to want to improve that. You know, and, and again, it's a movie, so every movie is a miracle that it gets created because there's so many people working against each other. But again, it's like if a bunch of people came together and built a house and someone who was coming to live in that house said, oh, this is nice, but I wish you did this. And instead of getting stubborn and angry and saying, no, we're not going to fix it, it's perfect, people went back in and, and fixed it or changed it to suit what the, the consumer wants. And is it a bit, uh, is it a bit, like, greedy? Is it a bit kind of selfish of people to, you know, want their voices to be heard? Sure. But I think it's also ignorance of film creators to ignore criticism, deny criticism, and especially, like, uh, verbally reject criticism. Because whether you're a filmmaker or uh, a content creator on the internet or an artist or whatever, no matter what creative form you're choosing to invest your time into, you need to be able to take criticism, take advice, and understand what people like. Because at the end of the day, yes, you're doing this for yourself, but you are going to be happier with... You're going to be happier the more happy people you get from what you make. I think that's, I think that's kind of the truth. Uh, I stayed up half the night thinking about it. Something occurred to me. I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep and I haven't thought about you since. You know what occurred to me? Oh. You're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. What? Alright, so from one co uh, controversial topic to another, uh, I want to talk a little bit about COPA and uh, what's going into to action for YouTube. So, the short version is that the, FC, the FTC has this law called COPA, and essentially it's a law to prevent analytics to be studied by companies um, in regards to children. And so, you know, analytics or studies can't be done on children. Um, in terms of, like, advertising and, and marketing and stuff like that. But it's just something to protect kids from, I guess, just companies online studying them. It, it's specifically for children online 
to prevent them from being studied is the best way that I could put it. Um, but it's this law that they put into effect, or at least update, uh, every 10 years. So last time it was updated was uh, 2013. However, uh, with the whole Elsagate co uh, controversy, or controversy, um, as well as like uh, creepy-ass pedos leaving comments on kids' videos, um, enough parents went to the FTC to insist that something be done, and so they're kicking in the new COPA update um, early, as I understand. I think in January is when it's it's going into effect, like the start of the new year. Um, so, this, this is primarily aimed at YouTube because YouTube is such a lawless wasteland um, where... You know, people can post videos of child abuse and write it off as, like, not being real, even though it's totally real. Um, but if you use a certain pop song or an image from, like, a video game or a cartoon or something, you could easily be flagged or kicked off of YouTube. If you're too vulgar or you joke about something that uh, is a sensitive uh, topic, or you, if you have a legitimate discussion about like, hard topics, um, like suicide, and like depression, uh, you can still get kicked off of YouTube. It, but it's really, it's, it's really, uh, random in terms of who YouTube strikes down and who gets away with putting out disturbing content, right? So it's kind of a lawless wasteland, and now, you know, people, people were afraid about getting flagged, or, you know, getting demonetized, um, you know, getting less ad revenue. There are people that make a living off of just making YouTube. Now, this doesn't apply to me, obviously, because the panel biter is still kind of in the infancy of YouTube. We have stuff up on YouTube. I'm trying to get more into it. We don't have any ad revenue from it. I'm not making money from YouTube or podcasting. This does not affect me on a financial or, or uh, you know, conceptual level. This doesn't. This is not going to affect my lifestyle, my hobby, how much money I get. This doesn't affect anything like that. Um, but it is personally interesting to me because there's a lot of YouTube creators that I enjoy, I respect, I look up to. Um, there are a lot of YouTube creators that, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have even started a podcast. So, you know, this does affect me because it affects the people that I admire. Um, it's also pretty sucky that, you know, when these laws go into effect, there's a possibility that someone's entire livelihood could be ruined uh, because of the manner in which they're going about shutting down channels or, or labeling them as something else, right? So, first and foremost, kids' videos that are, like, labeled as kids' videos, um, as I understand it from what I've watched and what I've read will not get, uh, you can't search for individual videos, you'd have to search for the content creator, like the YouTube channel itself. Um, they won't show up in suggestion bars. They'll get less ad revenue. Um, yeah, so essentially if you make kids content, you're shot. You're gonna get less money, you're gonna get less people trafficked to your site or to your videos. Um, you will have to, like, People will have to actively seek out your stuff uh, in order for you to get views and get revenue, right? Now, you know, that sucks, but at the same time, it's going to take out the Elsa Gate stuff. It's going to take out the, oh, Spider-Man injects a needle into Venom while Elsa watches. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take out stuff like that, but it's also going to take out stuff like, you know, packing your kid's lunch or kids playing with pets, or just silly kid videos, it's going to take out stuff like that, which is a double-edged sword, but that's not the fucked up part. The fucked up part is how YouTube and the FTC are choosing to define kids' content on YouTube, because as a content creator, you can go in and you can label your, your content or your video as, a, a kids, as kids' content, as kids' appropriate. You can go in and you can do that, um, which... I don't know why you would, but the point is that you can actively do that. The problem is that 
you know, the FTC, their job is to go through things and censor them and, like, check them for things, right? They aren't, the people that work for the, for the FTC aren't just going to look at thumbnails and then decide if it's child-friendly or not. They are going to watch the video and they are going to decide based on their own uh, training and their own uh, knowledge of what they think is kids' content. They will get to decide if it's a kids' video or not, which is somehow worse than how YouTube does it because as I understand, YouTube um, doesn't watch things all the way through and it's made up of a conglomerate of um, kind of outsourced workers who have differing like political and religious uh, ideolo uh, ideologies. Essentially, the people that work for YouTube that go through videos and flag them are far more vast and different than the people that work for the, FC the FTC who have to go through content and decide if they're bad or not. So... Uh, they released this form, which will basically tell you whether or not your content will be flagged as uh, children's content. Now, the part of this that's really weird is that these kind of um, uh, rules, these stimulations, they are very vague. Vague enough that an argument could be made about essentially any type of video that... It's, a, it's for kids. And the reason that's bad is because if an FTC person decides, oh, you know, there's a... there's Mickey Mouse is, like, a reoccurring image in the video. He's not part of the video. He's just in the background, like, a, a poster or something. A cartoon character is here. The form says no cartoon characters. So it's a kid's video, which means this video, whether it's about Star Wars or about, you know, Christmas clothes or, you know, about anything. If it's, if it's even just a vlog... And they're, if it's, a, if it's a vlog of like a 25-year-old, and there's a poster of Mickey in the background, these FTC workers can say, hey, there's a cartoon character in this, I know the rules, this vlog of a 25-year-old is now officially a kid's video. Even if it has like adult content in the wording, because all they're checking for is like visual stuff and broad stuff, but like, if this vlogger curses a bunch, or uses a term that a kid doesn't know, Yes, the video has Mickey in it, so it goes to a, to the kids' content, but this kid's going to be picking up some foul language or, or you know, taking influence from this vlogger because of what they're talking about. Because these uh, FTC workers are more concerned about labeling things than actually deciding if it's appropriate for children or not, right? So, I have uh, the document here, and I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, obviously, but I'm just going to go through what they are determining as kids' content, okay? So, uh, here is the, the subject matter that they say is appealing to children and would label a video as kids' content. Okay, ready? Uh, kids' jokes. So, you know, any joke about a penguin being black, white, and red all over or whatever. Um, music. So, just any music, you know, like, because adults don't listen to music. Only kids listen to music, obviously. Um, kids games, uh, video games slash computer games. So, you can't talk about Mario, you can't talk about Pokemon, you can't talk about Minecraft, you can't talk about Fortnite. Um, you probably can't even talk about Mortal Kombat, because while it's an R-rated game, it's still a video game. And so, eh, it's kind of dicey. Um, this also includes, you know, kids games like... You know, if you're a board game collector, like Monopoly or Candyland, I guess that counts too because those are games made for kids, right? Uh, children's TV shows or stars? So, who's like a, a, a child star who's big right now? I don't watch kids' TV, so I don't know. Um, I, I guess the chick that played Dora the Explorer in the live-action movie, anything with her in it, right, because she's in a kid's movie. Um, you know, children's TV shows very broad. Basically any cartoon you could say is a child's, you know, TV show. Even stuff like Family Guy or uh, Rick and Morty or Robot Chicken. Well, I guess not Robot Chicken. That, that's kind of a weird place. But, like, essentially any cartoon from Spongebob to uh, The Simpsons, it's still a cartoon. And to the vast majority of people, cartoons are still made for kids, even if they're actually made for adults. Uh, and again, this isn't YouTube deciding on it. This is on the FTC 
and they are very strict about their rules. Um, cartoon characters, that's a given. Uh, sports, this is a big one, because I'm not a sports guy, but there's a lot of sports YouTube channels, and, you know, just like music, it's, as, it's so broad a term, it could fit anything. You know, if it's like a if it's a Key and Peel skit about the way uh, athletes talk, you know, post their their big game, um, that's still a, a video about sports, and that sports are for kids, and so it's a kid's video now. Even if he curses and says you can trip off the roof of your house, so you have sports stories. What the fuck, <laughs> like how how much more broad can you get if someone describes a movie? or describes a story, or even just does, like, even even a vlog is kind of a story, because it's a story of how someone's doing, or what happened in their day. That's a story. Anything you tell someone that has a beginning, middle, and end is a story. Every YouTube video is a story, when you really narrow it down, right? Um, Toys, that's another big one. There are adult toy collectors. Um... Let's see, children's books, that means comic books, guys. Comic, there are comic books for adults, absolutely. Uh, no child should be seeing Batman's penis, but uh, Batman is still a kid's character, so children's books still apply. Sorry. Um, fantasy, again, such a broad term. It isn't anything that's non-fiction fantasy any isn't every fiction just a fantasy because it's made up uh <laughs> children's arts and crafts again that, that one's a bit more uh, that one's kind of dicey I, you know there are people that make artwork and like what what determines kids arts and crafts if i paint a portrait of a teddy bear is that kids content because it's a picture that would appeal to kids um, uh, let's see, oh, here's a good one, pets. So if you are a pet owner, uh, any video you watch about pets, you're not going to be able to find because those are kids' videos. Sorry, um, <laughs> but if you like pets, you must be a child. Even if you work at, like, a, a pet co, or you own, like, six cats, and you just need some advice, you're not going to be able to find pet videos because those are for kids, and you're not a kid. So you won't be able to search for them. What the fuck? Pets. Like, what? Grown men get pets. Like, what the fuck? Um, let's see. Uh, products primarily purchased or consumed by kids, like snack food or cereal. Okay. I know there's probably three or four people listening to this right now. Raise your hand if you eat cereal. Raise your hand if you eat snacks. Like, what, what determines a snack? What, when, when adults are hungry, they make a full-course meal? No, I, I eat chips, I eat fucking snack cakes, because I'm, I'm a fat asshole. Like, what, you can't say that snacks and cereal and just food in general is specifically for children, because people, all ages, all genders, whatever, everyone eats food. Everyone, you know, even, like, vegans. You know, tofu is still technically a food. So, that's all kids stuff now. Sorry. Um, let's see. It's kids content if uh, the language is simple enough to be understood by a child 12 or under. Simple enough. So, if you want to make adult content on YouTube, you need to use big words that kids don't understand. Um, this also applies to slang and pop culture phrases, i.e., um, Phrases like fun, kid-only, free stuff. I guess the kid-only thing kind of... That works. I have no complaints about that. But, like, cool, duh, games, whatever. Those are all terms that they are saying are only usable in kids' content. So if you describe something as cool, you're making a kid's video. Um, let's see... Uh, animated characters, bold or fast-moving graphics, or bright and vibrant colors. So, you gotta, every video has to be completely black. No bright colors. Uh, every video game has to look like a Call of Duty level, because we can't have colors. No quick cuts, even though people fuck up when they talk, so they need to quick cut to make up for that. Um, 
which I don't do, because <laughs> I'm not the best editor out there. Um, again, anime characters, we, we know about that. Does that mean anime, too? Because those are technically, like, animated and drawn in our cartoons. Because I wouldn't show a kid Attack on Titan. Uh, that's just my my take on that. Um... Here's a, here's a good one. The age of the models portrayed on the webs, a.k.a. using children as models. So that basically means any video with a child in it could be determined as kids' content. And again, it could be anything. It could be a video about child psychology, and it's still a children's video because it features children in it. Uh, you know, those, like, React channel is not going to have a good time with this because they have a whole series called Kids React, uh, which might be its own channel, maybe? I don't know. Um... Let's see. Any any advertising that appeals to children, which, again, like, children aren't robots or dogs. They, they all have varied opinions on things they enjoy and don't enjoy. Um, oh, in audio content appealing, appealing to children, uh, simple or popular tunes or songs, cartoon voices, childlike noises, and sound effects. Sound effects. So, like... That's, a very, again, very broad. You know, can I not use a whip sound effect? Can I not use a joy buzzer? Um, I can't use a click this like button sound. Um, again, the pop song thing comes up. Only children listen to music, apparently. Um, yeah, and like, popular tunes. Is that like a jingle? I can't use a jingle in a video now, because then it's a kid's video. <sighs> um... That's that's all the, like, presentation subject matter stuff. But, like, YouTube is getting hit with a big, um, like, legal suit for allowing this content for being up. Any content creator that doesn't follow the guidelines and has a video that is kids' content, but doesn't... It's like, like before when I was saying if someone put up a vlog that had, had, had Mickey Mouse in the background, but the vlogger himself was talking about adult subject matter, that vlogger could be fined. Because these people are going to go through the videos and decide if they're kid-friendly or not. And any video labeled as kid-friendly that has content that's not friendly towards kids is that YouTube creator is going to be hit with a fine. They're not going to get their channel shut down. They're not going to be uh, flagged or demonetized because, hey, they're in the kids' video category now. Like, what, what worse can we do to them other than take their money? Right? Like, we, we already took, we already demonetized them. They're already unsearchable because they're kids' content. The only thing we can do to punish these people for not following the guidelines is find them. Because this isn't YouTube doing it. This isn't Google. This isn't, like, Apple or anything. This is a government-established uh, corporation that is saying, this is okay and this isn't, but not for the reasons you think. Like... This either means people have to, you know, edit their content to be super child-friendly and, you know, basically dance on eggshells on thin ice and not feature cartoons or toys or anything. They basically have to record content in an empty room and, like, carefully choose the words they're going to use. Like... If this law goes into effect and it's as strict as people assume it's going to be, a lot of YouTube creators are going to completely change the content that they're putting out. And, you know, we might see a, a divot in quality from some of these creators because they'll have less motivation to put in work if they're, you know, being restricted like this. Now, the other possibility, which I don't see a lot of people talking about, is... The possibility of YouTube trying to segregate um, their company from the problem, right? Because the FTC is going to be going through these videos and stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's very possible we might get, like, uh, trying to think of a term for this that would work. Not, imagine if you had to pay for Adult Swim, is kind of the, the consensus I'm coming to here. You know, imagine if, you know, because... Adult Swim comes after Cartoon Network. Imagine if there was a cutoff and it said, you know, to watch Adult Swim, you know, sign up, subscribe, whatever, pay this amount of money. It's very possible YouTube could try to do something like that. Um, and even then it's kind of risky. But 
essentially what they could do is say, all right, these are the kids' videos, these videos aren't for kids, and then everything else kind of goes over here. And, you know, FTC can still check these videos or whatever for certain content or whatever, but these videos aren't kids' videos, but they aren't, they're like all ages videos. You know, they could essentially, like, again, put a price tag on more lenient content. Um, and the sucky part, too, is, like, there there is, I think, a separate app for YouTube kids. Um, like, a separate subscription or whatever, but it, it FTC can't just do that. They have to go through basically all content out there, which is... I don't know how that that's a tall that's a tall order. There's a lot of YouTube creators, and between every YouTube creator, there's either like between one to a thousand to two thousand videos, depending on how long they've been doing this. Um, and again, it might not mean too much to the YouTube creators that kind of broke out, like 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 Logan Paul, for example. He's got brand deals. He's got his own company. He could probably make a movie tomorrow if he wanted to. Um, and he's a guy that's been on YouTube for. A really long time and has invested a lot of money in other um, forms of, of revenue because even though he's a fucking jackass he's still a businessman and he still knows how marketing works and knows how money works so for a lot of youtubers that have been at this for a while this isn't the end days for them because they have a backup they assumed YouTube would never be a suitable enough uh, revenue stream and so they have brands, they have, you know, every YouTuber has a Patreon, every YouTuber has, like, their own fan site. Um, a lot of YouTubers do, like, concerts. I know The Completionist is doing, like, a tour now. So, no matter what genre they're in, they have some kind of backup. But, for a lot of YouTubers that are starting out, or are just starting to get successful, this could halt them dead in their tracks. Um, this may stop some YouTubers from creating. This may just in, uh, be a hindrance on, on creators from now on. Um, but the main point behind this whole COPPA thing that really sucks is that, you know, YouTube already was kind of this Russian roulette situation where at any point in time you could get a video flagged and it could hurt you a lot. Um, you could get kicked completely because you said one thing wrong in a video. Um, and there was kind of this random luck to it. But the fact that it was random and the fact that it was unexpected gave people some semblance of hope that it might not happen to them. That they could see what happens to other people, um, like the guy in the monkey mask, and learn from what he did and not make the same mistakes, right? But FTC is different because it's not random. They are scouring everything, they are checking everyone, and they are they are without prejudice. They don't care who it is, they will they will come for your content. And again, it could be fixed. You know, it could be rigged is what I mean. There could be YouTube creators that are gonna be unaffected by this. You know, there are a lot of YouTube channels that are just like companies, you know, like um like NBC YouTube channel, the Nintendo YouTube channel, but like those are companies, those are corporations, um, which I think kind of makes the difference where you have YouTubers that have their own brand name and have their own website. They might get away with this, you know, uh, unscathed because they have the argument that they are, are a, a corporation, but the people that are going to suffer the most are, again, the individuals. You know, the people that don't work for a corporation, that aren't just shilling out clips from Ellen. It's going to be the people who are actively trying to make entertainment for people, and they are now being punished because these rules are, too, are so vague. You know, and again, they are vague enough that the people at the FTC could argue for them or against them. And it's like, it's like YouTube before had a, a random gun that would just swing around and take out channels randomly. Now, it's like, with the FTC, it's an army of guns that are all pointing at one direction, and they're all shooting off randomly. They're all, they're all shooting off at different times, you know? Now it's like, before... A few YouTubers could be at risk, but the ones that knew what they were doing 
could prevent from being shut down. But with the FTC and these rules and COPA in general and just all the stuff that's going on with this child content stuff, everyone's up for grabs and no one is safe. And that sucks because I don't think Daily Motion does ad revenue. <laughs> um, but yeah, if if you are passionate about YouTube as a viewer or as a content creator, uh, I urge you to go to the FTC website or the COPA website um, where they do have a comment section. You can leave a comment against this. There is a petition on change.org that you can seek out and sign for um, and spread the word. You know, YouTube is one of those things that, you know, no matter how different you are from a coworker or a family member, aunts are they also watch YouTube or they enjoy at least something on YouTube. Let them know what's happening. You know, watch a video with them. Just get the word out that YouTube is changing again. And this time it's it's a very crucial change that not only affects all content creators, it could affect all viewers. So keep an eye out for that. All right, I want to thank you guys for sitting through this with me. I've been recording for a while now. I just had a lot of thoughts in my head. And, um, yeah, again, thanks for listening. Um, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for as long as we're on there. <laughs> um, there's a lot of good stuff that's been released on Anchor now. Uh, I've re-uploaded the two uh, Tales from the Script episodes where I talk about canceled Superman movies, canceled Batman movies. Um, there's a new comic buffet up, or like a returning comic buffet up. Um, myself, Seth, and David talk about a story where the Punisher is strapped to a giant gun. That's really fun. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out for new content that's going to be coming out soon. And again, thank you for listening so much, and goodbye.